All right, well, uh, it's great to see you guys this morning. Um, I want to start off um, by letting you know we're in week three of this series called Freedom, and freedom may not be a word that you have ever thought about when you thought about church or organized religion or Christianity, but um, we are taking a look at um, a New Testament letter that the Apostle Paul wrote that is really all about freedom. And so this might be a totally new concept for you, or um, you may just say, no, man, I'm, I'm good, and hopefully this will resonate with you as well. So you know that feeling that you get when you've worked really, really hard at something, you've had a, a goal in mind, a, a big project, something that you're tackling, and you finally get there. You finally accomplished that thing. And you kind of pause and you look back and you just kind of go, ah. It, it feels so good, doesn't it? To know not only that you've gotten there, that you've accomplished that thing, but that you worked so hard for it, that almost like you deserve it, right? I mean, you've earned it through blood, sweat, and tears. There's something about knowing that you've worked hard for it and you've earned it. Maybe you know, you've been just wanting to get back in shape and so you've been, you've been working hard for months and months trying to eat the right things and, and get back into a routine of working out and you've, you've had that, that goal, that target and then that one morning you finally stand on that scale and that number that you've been working so hard at, it, it finally comes up and you just go, oh man, it just feels so good knowing you worked so hard and you made the goal, you earned your way there. Or maybe uh, it's in your work life and you, know, you, you work hard and, and you put in the extra hours and, and you know, you're not doing it for the recognition, but you see other people getting recognized and other people getting raises and other people getting promoted. And then one day, it's your turn. You get the recognition. You're the one who gets that big promotion. And you just, you just, man, you just feel so good knowing, hey, finally, all that time, all that energy, all that sacrifice, all that hard work has paid off. You just, there's something, isn't there, that just feels good about the fact that we've earned it. I remember um, my first job out of school. I was, I was in, um, I went to business school at Miami University, and uh, I was in business consulting. It was my first, uh, first full-time job out of school. And um, we would go on these different projects. I was working in Cincinnati, Ohio, and we'd work with different companies. And all these projects that we worked on all were kind of the same. It was an in intense period of time. We, we didn't have enough time to do everything that we needed to do. And uh, there was always more expectations that were, were brought on to these consulting companies for, on our team after we got in there and really, really started to see what was going on. And so the, the last client that I ever worked with was this armoring company. It was a really cool client because they actually, they armored the president's limos and uh, they armored tons of like uh, vehicles for people living in really dangerous parts of the world. And so, I mean, it was just awesome. Like, I remember growing up watching Knight Rider. Anybody in here remember like that show Knight Rider, you know? It, like going into the shop floor, it was like Knight Rider and A-Team kind of thing. Like, it was amazing what they were doing to these, these automobiles. It was just absolutely fantastic. 
But um, the, the, the company itself was going through a really difficult change, and, and I was there on a team trying to help them all navigate this change, and it was really, really intense. I mean, we worked the craziest hours. Like, I had no life for the entire time that I was on that project. And uh, so we finally completed the project, and... and um, and everyone was feeling really good. And I remember we went out for um, a, a project team dinner. So the, the senior manager in charge of the whole project took us all out to Morton's Steakhouse. Any Morton's Steakhouse fans? Man, and it was awesome. There were like 16 of us. And um, it, was, it was incredible. And the reason it was so incredible was because... I just, I love food, you guys. Like, I absolutely love to eat. And the deal was, we could have anything we wanted. I mean, the, the senior manager just knew that we had all sold our souls for just months and months and months and months on this project. And so I just remember, it was just, it was just like whatever you wanted. There were appetizers everywhere. In fact, th- there, were, there were 16 of us. There were six full lobsters that were ordered sitting basically, so like for every three people, there was basically a full lobster sitting there. And, uh, and that, that was just, that wasn't even like the main course. That was just an appetizer. That was, we, we hadn't even like started the official meal yet. It was absolutely awesome. But the thing that made it so great, the thing that made it so sweet, was the fact that we had worked so incredibly hard, and we finally reached the goal. You see, so what felt so good about it was we had earned this dinner. Every single one of us just felt, oh man, this is amazing. We deserve this. This is the big payoff. We have earned it. Isn't there something special about that feeling where you've worked so hard, you put in all this sacrifice and just knowing that you've made it happen, that you've earned it? Well, we are uh, taking a look today at a, a passage of the Bible. It's a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to a group of people who loved that feeling. They loved that feeling that they'd worked hard and they'd earned something. Paul is writing to the church in Galatia. He's writing to the Galatians. And so this feeling of working hard to earn something and feeling that satisfaction, that, that's good in many areas of our life. But unfortunately for the Galatians, this actually wasn't, this wasn't a good thing when it, it's not a good thing for any of us when it comes to our relationship with God. See, what's going on is that Paul is writing to this group of Christians, these Galatians, and they have come to faith in Jesus Christ. So they've just, the only thing that, that they understood that made them right with God was just believing that Jesus died for them and rose again, and through faith in Jesus, they would be made right with God. But then these Christians who were not from a Jewish background, they were from a Gentile, a non-Jewish background, they encountered some Jewish Christians who were then basically telling them, hey, it's great that you put your faith in Jesus, but, but now you actually have to follow all the Jewish laws and traditions. You know, there's circumcision, there's certain foods we can eat, there's certain people that we cannot associate with. And so they had basically become convinced that it wasn't just about faith in Jesus that made you right with God, but there were all these other things that you had to do as well. And so Paul is writing to them. And um, we pick it up in Galatians 3. We've, we've kind of been doing a chapter a week. And so we're in Galatians 3. And if you haven't been with us the last couple of weeks, you can always catch up online. But I just have to tell you, 
We've, last couple weeks, we've already had the warm-up from Paul. You know, he's in the greetings and some of the pleasantries and all that stuff. And now he's just going right into it. So you, you, we're not warmed up. We are just going full board into it. This is where he really picks up steam. And this is what he says in Galatians 3, starting in verse 1. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. Now, Paul is amped up right here. And the re- one of the reasons he's so amped up where he says, before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. You know who was the one doing the portraying? He was, okay? So he's extra ticked. He's the one that started this church. He's the one that brought them to faith in Christ. And basically he's like, what in the world is going on with you guys? Now check out verse two. He said, I'd like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit, and that's the Spirit of God, that's the Holy Spirit. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Now, if, uh, you know, if you're here and you're not really big into church, maybe you didn't grow up uh, with Christianity, let me just explain to you so that we're all on the same page what he means when he says, did you receive the Spirit. So when it says receive the Spirit, what Paul is basically introducing us to is a concept that Jesus talked about. Jesus said, when you put your faith in me, when you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who died for your sins, and you put faith in him, and that's the way that you're made right with God, Jesus said, anyone who does that will spend eternity in heaven, will be made right with God, and Jesus promised that he would send his spirit, that we would actually have the spirit of God, which we call the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost, that would come and actually live inside of us. So this is what Paul is saying. He says, did you receive the spirit? Like, were you made right with God and this whole faith thing came together because you were following the works of the law? Or because was it because you believed what you heard? He continues, verse three. Are you so foolish After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh, trying to work your way to God? Have you experienced so much in vain, if it really was in vain? So again, I ask, does God give you his Spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Paul's like, come on, guys. Are you serious? We went over this. You really think that you're made right with God, that you come into a relationship with God because you follow some laws and customs and traditions and you eat certain kinds of meat, you don't eat other certain kinds of meat and you perform certain rituals? Are you serious? Now, he goes in verse seven. He's starting to give him a little bit of theology now. He says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now, this is interesting if you think about the audience that Paul's talking to. He is talking to Gentile Christians, okay? He's not talking to Jewish Christians, so he's talking to people who, they didn't grow up learning about who Abraham was. So why is he mentioning Abraham here? Well, the best 
that we can surmise is the reason that Paul's bringing it up is because this is an argument that they have been sharing with him as to why they need to follow these different laws. Because ultimately, who was Abraham? Well, Abraham was like the father of the Jewish nation, right? He's kind of known as the father of the faith. That's where Islam begins. That's where Judaism begins. That's kind of where Christianity can trace back through Judaism too. So, so basically, they have heard that, man, Abraham, this is where it all began. And we're all children of Abraham. Probably this is what they'd been hearing, these Galatians. And so the, the argument kind of probably went like this. Well, Abraham, when he came into a relationship with God, he was circumcised, you know, he started following these different laws. And so Galatians, this is probably what the Jewish Christians were saying. So you need to do what Abraham did. He's the father of the faithful. We're all children of Abraham. You need to get circumcised. You need to follow all these Jewish laws and traditions. And so basically what Paul is doing here is when he says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. What Paul is saying is, listen, listen, guys. Abraham, he's not the father of the faith because of what he did. I mean, if anybody knows the story of what what happened with Abraham's life, he was a mess, right? He was a mess. Can I get an amen? He was a mess. Okay. So it, it wasn't because of what he did. Abraham didn't earn his way into God's favor. It's ridiculous. How was Abraham credited as righteous? Well, what Paul says is simple. He believed God. God said, I'm going to do some amazing things in your life. He believed God's promises. He trusted God. And that, according to scripture, is what made Abraham, that was what credited him as being righteous in the eyes of God. Just the fact that he believed. Verse 7. So Paul continues, understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. It's not by those who earn their way there. It's not those who do all these different things. The only way that we get right with God is by faith. It's by belief. It's not following all these different laws. What Paul is trying to drive home is this point, that we cannot earn our way to God. We cannot earn our way to heaven by the things that we do and we don't do. Now, I want to skip to verse 10 because this is where things get interesting. We're going to spend the rest of our time really jumping off this verse. So in verse 10, Paul says this, For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. Like, what's that? Basically what Paul is saying is if we are trying to earn our way to God, if we are trying to earn our way to heaven, if we're trying to earn our way into God's favor, we're actually cursed. Man, that is harsh, isn't it? If we are trying to get there on our own, if, if we think that by our church attendance and by you know, participation in community groups, hanging out with other Christians, if we think that by you know, how often we read our Bible and how many prayers we pray and how much money we give and how much service we do, if we think that that's how we earn our way into God's favor, if we think that's how we get to heaven, Paul says we're cursed. You see, trying to earn our way to God 
trying to earn our way to heaven, it's kind of like trying to walk a tightrope all the way to heaven. For those of you who were here last week, you heard uh, my skydiving story. We talked about how we're free to let go, and I was like hanging on the side of the plane, remember? And, and I, just, I just couldn't let go. I'm, I, I have a very, very healthy uh, respect for heights. And so this is something I've never done. Anybody tightrope walked in the house today? Anybody ever tightrope walked? Okay, because it's crazy. That's why we, we, we don't do that, you know? This, this is something that you would just feel cursed if you were trying. And basically, what Paul is saying here is, Trying to earn our way to God, it's basically like trying to walk on a tightrope all the way to heaven. Now, I don't know if you guys have heard of Nick Walenda, but this is, this is our man, man, Nick. This is an actual photo that was taken in Canada. And um, he, he does these tightrope crazy things all over the place. He's walked across the Grand Canyon and, and all this. And some of you might have been familiar with, with some of his stunts, but there's no, there's no harness. There's nothing attached to the line. I mean, he is just absolutely out there. And um, this is crazy. This is, this is absolutely insane. And so what I want to spend the rest of our time talking about this morning is really, I see that there are like, there's like four curses of trying to earn our way to heaven, of being on that tightrope walk and trying to get there on our own accord. So, The first one, I think, is the curse of impossibility. See, the reality is, we can't do it. It's just not going to happen. Look at at verse 10, the rest of it. It says, uh, Paul writes, For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse, as it is written. And now he's quoting Deuteronomy 27, 26, which is very early on in the Bible, in the Old Testament of the Bible. And he's quoting from there, and, it, and this is what it says, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. So the curse of impossibility is quite simply this. If we are going to try and earn our way to God, if we're going to try and tightrope all the way to heaven, then here's the deal. We have to do it perfectly. We got to follow every law, every commandment. So every, every behavior, every word that we speak, every thought that we think must be perfect. And here's why. Because our God is perfect. God is perfect and holy in every way. And our God cannot stand to be in the presence of imperfection. And so, if God's perfect and we want to try and earn our way into the eternal presence of an almighty, perfect, holy being, we simply have to be perfect. Our entire life, we have to be up on the tightrope and never make a misstep. In everything that we do, we've got to be perfect in order to tightrope our way all the way to heaven. And it's simply, this is what Paul's writing here as he's quoting Deuteronomy, it simply cannot happen. The curse of impossibility. The second curse is the curse of stress. So, this, this is not a hard one to, to think about. So if you are actually trying to tightrope your walk, your, your tightrope your way all the way to heaven, okay, what are you constantly thinking about with every step? What are you thinking about? Yeah, let's, yeah, that's what you're thinking about. That was uh, Walenda's little foray over the Grand Canyon. I'm about to fall right now just thinking about it. Um, <laughs> you see, 
You're constantly thinking about misstepping. You're always having to focus on that next step. The the amount of pressure that is involved in this tightrope walk is just absolutely unbelievable. You can never relax, ever. You can never let your guard down because it's all about performance and behavior and perfection. And if you do feel like you have a little misstep, you do something, oh man, I never should have done that. I'm, I'm not proud of that thing. I really regret that. The guilt that you feel so this, this curse of stress, you know, any time that we kind of start to waver or anything, we, we just feel tremendous guilt over that. Now, there are some of you here this morning, and you completely relate to what I'm talking about, because y- you know this. Th- this is kind of how you see uh, faith or, you know, what happens when, when, you know, when you die and you're trying to think about what, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty good person, you know, hopefully God will accept me into heaven because, you know, that's kind of what I believe. And, and you may be here this morning and, and you haven't put your faith in Jesus. You wouldn't necessarily call yourself a Christian, but you definitely believe in God and you definitely believe that you should be as good a person as you can. And if you're a good enough person, then you're going to get there. And, and this is probably something you don't think about all that often, but if you, if you really had to think about it, you're actually walking this tightrope in your life. And you're just thinking, you know, if I don't, like, kill anybody, you know, or if I don't, you know, do some other horrific things and, like, totally blow it, then, you know, I, I'm kind of tightrope. I'm kind of earning my way to heaven. But there's a lot of stress. There's a lot of pressure that's associated with that. Now, there are others of us who are here in this room and um, we started out just like the Galatians did. We started out kind of believing, oh, you know, the tightrope, there's no way we can do that. That's, that's impossible. We can't walk our way up to heaven. We can't earn our way in. And so we, there's many of us probably in this room who years and years ago put our faith in Jesus. Said, you know what, Jesus, I'm not perfect. Thank you that you were Thank you for for dying on a cross for all of my sins. And just by faith in you, that's how I'm made right with God. Thank you so much. And we came into that relationship with Jesus. But what we found is we become just like the Galatians. And somehow, we we don't even know how we did it, but we're up here on this tightrope. And by the different things that we're doing, they started out, and we were just down here, just, you know, by the grace of God, you know, we're, we're just, we're, we're not perfect and all this stuff. And we just started to do things in response, you know, hey, I want to go to church. That's, that's cool. That's fun. I want to get into Bible study. I want to learn more. I, I want to pray because of what God's done for me. I just want to, I just want to connect with God. That's where it starts out. And then somewhere along the way, for some of us right here in this room right now, we realize that we, and we don't even know when it happened, but somehow we just kind of crept up onto the tightrope. And now we're up here. Jeez, my balance is terrible. Um, But um, somehow we find ourselves up here. And we feel the pressure. Like if if we miss a few Sundays in church, you know, if if, if we kind of slip a little bit in some of our spiritual habits or disciplines, we start to question and wonder, am I okay with God? I mean, am I out of favor with God? We've we've crept up on that tightrope and we haven't even realized it. So we've got the curse of impossibility, the curse of stress. The next one is the curse of entitlement. And this one is really tough. So um, I told you guys that story about Morton's Steakhouse and uh, just, <laughs> just how awesome that was because you know, our project team had finished the project and man, we had earned that dinner. It was absolutely incredible. 
and the, you heard about the lobsters and, you know, and, and all that stuff, best champagne. I mean, it was, it was, it was absolutely wild. But what I didn't tell you was, was what I ordered as my main entree for the meal, because it was anything you would like, okay? Some of you know that I am serious foodie. So, um, so I was sitting there at dinner and, you know, eating lobster and all these different appetizers. It was just, it was just total gluttony. It was absolutely fa- fabulous. And, um, and I'm looking at the menu, and I had a good buddy sitting next to me, and we're joking around. And I see, I see, I get down to where it says 64-ounce uh, porterhouse. Biggest steak in the whole place. I looked at him, I'm like, what do you think, man? He's like, I think you can take that down. So all of a sudden, like out of nowhere, you guys, you know how this happens. Like all of a sudden, like you didn't, you try to set it up. It wasn't like a bet or anything, but all of a sudden, like all my manhood is on the line. I I have to get the steak. I was fired up. I was going to get it anyway, but I wasn't necessarily going to commit to eat the whole thing. But, um, but he was like, dude, yeah, I bet you can take that thing down. I was like, I bet I can too. I, you know, half a lobster and like spinach and artichoke dip. I'm, I'm like halfway full before I've even gotten, gotten to the meal. And so, um, so I start in on this 64-ounce porterhouse, man. This thing was so huge, man. And um, I got about maybe two-thirds of the way in. And you know, you get to that point in a meal, not that any of you have ever eaten for sport, but... Um, but <laughs> You get to that point in the meal where you start to press into the pain, like you start to feel the pain. It's like that pain point. And you know that anyone with good judgment, like this is the time when you, when you stop. You've already pushed through the full, now you're kind of getting into the pain, okay? And I was there, and I don't know if it was just because my body was not used to just consuming that much red meat, but I'm telling you, not only could I feel it in my stomach, I, it was as if like someone just kind of had a light hand on my heart. Like every time I was trying to breathe, it just felt like, oh, man, I, I just, I don't, I probably just psychological, right? I mean, I, so anyway, so at this point, I'm, I'm in my early 20s and I'm like, okay, I, I gotta, come on, I, I gotta, I, I gotta dig deep. Yeah, I got to get through this last third of this 64-ounce uh, porterhouse. So I said, you know what? Let me call my girlfriend. This is now my wife at the time, but it was my girlfriend. I said, let me call my girlfriend because, you know, she's, always, she's so cool, and she's, I just needed a pep talk, you know? She's, she's always encouraging. She supports me in pretty much everything I do. So, you know, I just like, let me, let me call her. So I get on the phone with Becky. I'm like, babe, you know, hey, guess what? We're at dinner. It's awesome. I'm, I'm eating this steak, and I'm trying to get through it. And, Okay, yeah, I'm like, I'm just, uh, you know, I'm, I'm almost there, and I, I just kind of, you know, just wanted to, wanted to hear your voice, because, you know, I, I know I can do this, and she's like, how big's the steak? Oh, it's like 64 ounces. What? You know, she, I mean, so instead of getting the pep talk, I got the total voice of reason, you know, and, and it, was, it was one of the few times in my entire life where I have actually listened to the voice of reason. She's like, don't you take another bite of that steak. I'm like, babe, I'm not, it's not like I'm going to throw up or anything. I'm just, you know, she, would you stop? Just stop eating the steak, okay? Take it home, give all your house, slice it up, give all your housemates steak and eggs for, for breakfast in the morning. So, so I, I actually, I, I was very proud of myself. To this day, I think I can count on one hand the number of times I think I've listened to my wife. So um, <laughs> I did, and it worked out really, really well. Now, the reason that I tell you that story is because you know why I ordered that steak, don't you? I mean, I already had plans to order it before we got into the little conversation with my buddy. 
You know why I'd ordered the the 64-ounce porterhouse? Because I had earned that steak. I'd earned it. I had busted my tail. I had 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 no life (laughs) all through the time on this project. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You have no life. Your work eats every waking second, all your spare time. That was me. And so this was the moment. I had worked hard for it. I deserved it. I, I absolutely had earned it. You know what? I was entitled to that steak. I was entitled to it. That's why I ordered it. There are some of you who are here this morning, and um, you come to church on a regular basis. You're involved in some sort of a Bible study, either with a community group here at Grace or somewhere else. You take the time to read the Bible. You take the time to talk to God. You, you have certain disciplines, certain things in your life, and those are all incredible, awesome things. That is how we grow in our faith. But there are some of you who are here today, and basically all those things that you're doing those are leading you to a place where basically your attitude with God, and you may have never thought of it this way, you may have never voiced it this way before, but basically it's like, God, I'm doing so much for you. Look at all that I'm doing. I'm being good. I even helped an old lady across the street last weekend. All these things. Now, God, where is my stake? Where is it? Because you see, God, remember, I've been praying about this thing for a long time. That hasn't happened yet. God, you know that this is a big dream of mine. You know this relationship that I'm really struggling with. God, where, where are you? Where are you on this thing? God, you know about what's going on at work. God, you know what's happening with my health. God, I'm busting it over here. Where is my stake? Where is it? And very quickly, we can actually move into a place of entitlement. It's one of the curses of that tightrope walk to God, where we think we're earning our way into God's favor. The problem is then when God doesn't come through just the way we think that God should draw it up, guess what? We're furious about it. It 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 brings a huge divide in our relationship with God, because basically we come to a place where it's like, you know what, God, you owe me. We may have never voiced it that way, but deep down, that's actually what we believe. God, you owe me. Where is my stake? It's the curse of entitlement. The reality is God made us. God created everything around us. God has redeemed us through his son, Jesus. And unfortunately, God doesn't owe us anything. If anything, it's the opposite. So that's the curse of entitlement. One more, last one. It's the curse of superiority. The curse of superiority is basically just this idea. It's a little bit related to entitlement, but we get up and we start living the right way. We start doing the things that we're supposed to be doing. We go to church, we read our Bible, we pray. And um, we're on our tightrope walk up to heaven. And you know what happens? All of a sudden, we're starting to feel pretty good about ourselves. 
not because of what God's done for us, not because of faith in Jesus, not by admitting that we're not perfect, God's up here, we're down here, but all of a sudden, hey man, I'm living a pretty good life. I mean, God's pretty happy with me. All of a sudden, you can kind of get this better than complex, this superiority complex. Uh, I'll never forget, um, I, I grew up in church, but I never really connected the dots about a relationship with God through Jesus and, and, and all, what all that meant. So in my early 20s, uh, I disconnected from the church for a long time, came back to the church. Actually, it was, it was my girlfriend, now my wife, Becky, who, who brought me and really had a huge role in bringing me to faith in, in Christ. And so I remember it was, you know, early 20s, I've come to faith in Jesus, and, and I've been at it now for a little while. I was really fired up, loved going to church and all that kind of thing. But I, I made a decision maybe, I don't know, uh, maybe two years later, where I said, you know, I am going to start, I need to start getting up early. I don't know if it was like a sermon I heard, or I read something about how Jesus used to get up early, but I said, I'm going to get up early, and I am going to read my Bible, and I am going to pray, because that's what I, you know, I just feel like that's what God would have me to do. So, you know, young married guy, you know, I remember slipping out of bed early one morning and I had announced this to Becky and she's like, oh man, that's great. She was way ahead of me in terms of faith and, you know, spiritual maturity. And um, she's like, hey, that's awesome if, if you want to do that. My wife loves to sleep. It's like her spiritual gift, like her number one thing. She, she, she can fall asleep like in mid-conversation with, with you, you know, like she, and she can even be the one talking and she can fall asleep. Does anybody know somebody like that? It's absolutely, it's so annoying. But anyway, that's not the point of, of what I'm trying to say. I'm already getting superior and I haven't even made my point. So, um, so I, I was like, babe, I'm going to get up early. I'm going to read the Bible and pray. She's like, that's awesome. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to have a good sleep. That's a very spiritual thing to do too. So, um, so I get up and I, I get out this fresh notepad and I get my Bible and I read a few verses in the Bible. I don't remember what I read, but, but then I started to just, you know, write my prayers. And um, <laughs> this is a totally true story. I can't believe I'm saying this. But anyway, um, so I say, God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for getting me up early and just putting me in the right frame of mind. You know, putting my eyes on you and getting my thoughts just lined up with, with where you'd want them to be. And then I get a couple more sentences in and I'm just, all of a sudden, I just felt led to pray this. And I just said, God, um, I just really want to pray for my wife. I mean, she's so awesome, but, but she's asleep right now. And, you know, here I am, I'm up early. I mean, you, you laugh. I, this, this is absolutely, this is hilarious, right? She, she, she's sleeping right now, and, and I just pray, God, that, that she would arrive at the same conclusion of how important it is to get up early and to put her thoughts on you and to start the day right, and, you know, by praying. But instead, you know, she's just lazy sleeping the day away. Now, everyone sees how ridiculous that is. But that, I'm telling you, that mentality creeps in. As we start to get up on the tightrope walk, believing that all the things that we do are the things that somehow get us into God's good graces. See, my thing was, I felt like as I was praying that morning, God was smiling over me and like was just loved me so much more than my little lost wife who was still asleep, legitimately. I completely lost sight of the fact that God loves everybody 
the same. There's nothing we can do to make God love us more or less, but I completely missed that because I was cursed with the curse of superiority. I'm up here on my tightrope walk, just earning my way into God's good graces. And here's the biggest problem with that, besides the obvious. How in the world then, when Jesus invites us on this most incredible adventure to lose ourselves and to go do something that has eternal significance, to go serve people and radically love people and be salt and be the light of the world. How can we do that if we're up here? How can we do that if we're better than everybody else? If God loves us more than everybody else? How can we possibly forgive people who have wounded us when we feel like we're way better than those people? How can we possibly go and serve people? And as Paul wrote somewhere else in the New Testament, we're supposed to consider other people better than ourselves. We're supposed to wash other people's feet. Can, can, can you wash someone's feet from up here? No, you can't. And so what happens is we miss out on the incredible thrill of following after Jesus and being in a relationship with a living God who is at work in this world, who calls us to partner with him to be his hands and his feet because we have the curse of superiority. The reality is whenever we find ourselves on this tightrope, it's a curse. It's an absolute curse. Nothing good ever comes of being on the tightrope. In fact, Some of you are here today at this church, Grace Community Church, a church for people who don't go to church. And the reason that you're here is because you are still getting over an experience you had with a tightrope walker, with someone who has done something terrible to you because they were way up on their tightrope of entitlement, superiority, whatever, and they burned you. And you're here just trying to heal. There's nothing good that comes out of tightrope walking. It's a curse. So we'll close with these two verses. So Paul says in verses 13 and 14, he says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it's written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. And what Paul is now saying is, listen, Jesus Christ He actually took the curse. You don't have to be cursed and get up and and try and do this whole thing yourself and earn your way to God and earn your way on this tightrope all the way to heaven. See, Jesus has become the tightrope for us. He bridges the gap all the way to God the Father. And when he says, he's quoting, curses everyone who's hung on a pole, he's referencing Jesus' crucifixion. Jesus' death and resurrection for our sins. And going back to what he was saying about it's just by faith that we're made right with God. He says, He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Basically what Paul is saying there is he's saying, listen, this Abraham, the father of the faith, we're all ultimately descendants of Abraham. We can trace our spiritual lineage back to Abraham. This blessing, it's not just for Jewish Christians. It's not just for those who are on the tightrope trying to earn their way to God. No, 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 no. 
This, this is to Gentiles. This is to everybody. It's a gift through faith that we might come into a relationship with God and be given his Holy Spirit as a result. So here's the question for you that I want you to wrestle with as we close the service now. Are you on the tightrope? Do you feel stress when it comes to your relationship with God and as you think about what's going to happen one day? Do you ever feel that that sense of entitlement creeps in? Do you ever struggle to forgive certain people? Do you ever struggle to love certain people? Are you up on the tightrope trying to earn your way? See, we all love the feeling that we've worked hard and we've earned it. It's as a result of our performance. And that, that does not work when it comes to our faith. And basically what Jesus is telling us, what Paul is writing to the Galatians here, is listen, you guys are free. You're free to get down. And I don't mean break dancing, okay? Although that's cool too. But you are free to get down from the tightrope. It's actually impossible anyway. It's stress-filled. It leads us to think that God owes us. It leads us to think that we're better than everyone else. And it puts us in a position where we cannot go where God wants to take us. You are free to get down. The question I have for you is, are you up here? If so, just hop off. Just hop off and let Jesus catch you. Let's pray. Lord God, um, boy, it sure does feel good when we have worked hard and we have finally achieved our goal and we know that we deserve it. We've earned it. God, we derive tremendous satisfaction in many areas of our lives. God, help us because it's so easy for me and so many of us in this room right now to want to earn our way into your good graces. But Lord, we know that that's not how you work. God, help us to get off the tightrope. Those of us right now, many of us are experiencing those different curses of trying to do it on our own when it depends on us, when the reality is it just depends on you, Jesus, and what you've done. And then we are free to do the things that you call us to do. So we thank you. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Grace Community Church, a church for people who don't go to church, meets on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. in Arlington, Virginia. Connect with us anytime at trygrace.org.